This week's episode of Talking Simpsons is brought to you by you. That's right, we're on Patreon now, so head on over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. For as little as $5 a month, you can help our show and get all kinds of great extra content on top of that. We've got a ton of great bonus content waiting for you right now, so head on over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons today. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we blind our opponents with luxury. I'm your host Bob Mackey and I hate the sea and everything in it. And this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Uh, Henry Gilbert and records from that era are spotty at best. <laughs> Who else is here? Uh, smart, beautiful, and a liar, Chris Antista. <laughs> um, the perfect woman. And today's episode is Bart's Girlfriend. Class, I want you to welcome back our prodigal son. What's prodigal mean? <laughs> <laughs> today's episode aired on November 6, 1994. And as always, Chris will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> The unforgettable sci-fi franchise that launched a thousand spin-offs is number one at the box office, and I needn't even tell you what it is. George Foreman becomes the oldest heavyweight champion at the age of 45, and a little franchise called Donkey Kong Country launches on the Super Nintendo. Wow, man. Uh, so, wait, what is that movie? Exactly. Yeah. Stargate. Damn, Bob. Really? Whoa, yes, wow. it's totally Stargate. My smart-ass answer was right. I can't do believe not, it. My God. Do yourself a favor and Google Stargate spin-offs and... Introduce yourself to a world you never knew existed. There is more footage of Stargates than there is for, like, The Matrix yep. and Star Wars. Star Wars! There are more spinoffs than Law & Order and CSI oh combined. Yeah. I choose to view them as a MacGyver alternate universe, where <laughs> MacGyver uh, finds Stargates and, you know, antics happen. We talked about it. It's actually funny on 302010. I wasn't on... The, one of the two episodes, but two episodes in a row, the last episode airs in 2007, and then 1997, the show premieres yeah. of just, of regular Stargate, not even the spin-off Stargate not Atlantis. Atlantis. Not yeah. even the board games and extended universe. And I, means, I, I, yeah, people have mentioned Donkey Kong Country, because I, I feel like I've neglected games the whole year. Mm -hmm. This is like the most exciting year for video games ever. 94, mm. yeah. Super yeah, Metroid, one. we're like, yeah. Doom 2 has just come out. Final, uh, Fantasy, Final Fantasy 6. 6. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, Sonic, it's, Sonic and Knuckles, uh, Mother Two in Japan. Yeah, it's it's insane. And I, and, I feel like I neglected my post in the news uh, by not mentioning it. Well, Donkey Kong Country was a huge, huge deal. It it kept the Super NES alive in America probably an extra two years. It definitely months. killed yeah. the Genesis. I mean, I mean, the Genesis still stood strong, but it definitely mm -hmm. made the SNES the winner of the console wars by yeah. tricking people into thinking they snuck a CGI workstation into their Super Nintendos. Well, and the Genesis killed itself, I'd say, <laughs> too, in 94. They're like, well, we, we need 17 different uh, systems. Yes, we don't need just one. Let's, let's fool the... The, the 32X yeah. just launched. Yes, Ooh. in 1994. So that's it, it's been it's like one, I think one of, maybe it's because I was mad woke during that point, but I think 94 <laughs> is the craziest years in video games. Yes, like Jaguar, CDI, mm -hmm. 3DO, just anything could happen. Competition yeah. all over the place, and a, a bunch of great franchises launch and get new entries. Hi, and, and the George Foreman Grill <laughs> uh, for, probably made George Foreman richer than any. Yeah, George, call invent help. <laughs> <laughs> all of his uh, family of Georges profited from 
that. <laughs> 17 jokes. That's one of my favorite jokes on 30 Rock is when Tracy Jordan reveals he has like two sons named Tracy named after him and then his third is George Foreman. <laughs> yep. And there was there, a great... I think five kids named George Foreman. Mm, that's, five. That's amazing. That's not a joke. That's, that's kind of... There's loving yourself and then there's... <laughs> you just go a little too far. Yes. You know? Like I'm creating a, an army of future me's and uh, there was a great episode of King of the Hill actually where it was like Hank Hill squaring off against George Foreman in terms of grilling techniques. Whoa. Yes, it's I, great. I and speaking one. of King of the Hill, yes. the writer of today's episode, Jonathan Collier, is amazing. I'm looking at his IMDB history mm-hmm. and everything like that. He was a key figure on King of the Hill. Uh, start with the Simpsons stuff. He wrote episodes like The Springfield Connection, Marge Becomes a Cop, mm-hmm. uh, Lisa the Iconoclast, that's the uh, Hans Sprungfeld episode, mm-hmm. uh, Curse of the Flying Hellfish, the Grandpa episode, World War II episode. And before that, he wrote for David Letterman. And after The Simpsons, he went on to be one of the key figures in forming King of the Hill. Yes, oh. he, he left The Simpsons in 1997 to work on the first season of King of the Hill with Mike Judge and Greg Daniels like Greg Daniels Greg Daniels worked with Collier on these seasons of The Simpsons and I think he knew a good guy when he saw him and took him on mm-hmm. and Jonathan Collier worked on the sh- on King of the Hill for 10 seasons amazing yeah and uh, he wrote the episode Husky Bobby which was the one we saw live yeah we uh, saw the entire cast read it in yeah. San Francisco amazing that made me want the show to come back immediately and the oh, only rumor reason, is that it might uh, oh god I, I bet it. it will those those reunion things mm-hmm. every time a festival host a reunion type thing like that they all walk away from it like hey we should do more of these mm-hmm. like I think that if you want to love SF Sketchfest, you should love it just for that of like they will pay everybody to be in the same room and they can't unless they all really hate each other they can't not make a new show they were clearly in love with each other and also kind of drunk yeah especially Dave Herman oh, well they were like we just came from dinner and we yes. had a lot of fun at dinner <laughs> did you drink your dinner sir and uh, and also they'll call your left the show to go to Mike Judge's big show, The Good Family, yes. which I think aired two yeah. episodes. Out of like six? They made 13. 13, it was, wow. like, it was an animated Full series, yeah. so they got to animate the yeah. whole thing. I will say, Jonathan Collier wrote one of my favorite uh, King of the Hill episodes, Peggy's Magic Sex Feet, oh, in yes. which Peggy yeah. B unwittingly becomes a foot fetish That's model. That's a great episode. Yes. You, take your, you take my wife's feet off your internet. Oh, <laughs> yes. only I may jerk off to those stems. <laughs> she's so sad that, that, that she's so sad. She's like, oh, I thought you just liked my feet yeah. and it empowered other women and then the craziest thing with Jonathan Collier is that he spent the last five years working on Bones like he Weird. was one of the lead people on Bones so making more money in his life I'm guessing and he worked probably. on Monk for a long time too yeah, so like a probably, mystery thing going on with him uh, yeah Monk was probably his transition into like oh you proved you could write a mystery you show show and- me black and white footage of a World War 2 propaganda film and tell me it's Bones <laughs> <laughs> no choice but to believe you going to his Twitter it's all like well well, it's goodbye to Bones, everybody. We just wrapped the last episode, and here we're at Comic-Con with the Bones crew talking about Bones. And I was like, all right. I think all the Wings jokes from The Simpsons could easily be Bones jokes today. Yeah, you know? totally. That's I was just rewatching the third season of BoJack Horseman, and they have multiple Bones jokes in there. Because, oh, wow. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter wants to watch Bones, and then his, his wife is saying, I love Bones! Yeah, it's like, I, don't, I think that show's not about what you think it's about, <laughs> peanut butter and then he's watching a clip of the show and they're just like boy you love bones so much we should make your nickname bones huh (laughs) 
So the other thing we should mention before we start is the guest star in this oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Jesus uh, Christ. Meryl Streep. And I feel the like... The overrated Meryl Streep, according um, to our president. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, very that's overrated. Right. Uh, Sad. I trust his judgment completely. But yeah, Meryl Streep plays Jessica Lovejoy. And unlike Winona Ryder, they didn't pitch her voice up, which I felt was a smart decision. And I'm wondering, like, why did they ever pitch Winona's voice up? It was was it too deep or something? I think because she just did a straight read. Whereas yeah. I can't. She's putting on a little girl's voice again. I knew this was Meryl Streep because I've read that, mm-hmm. but I never think of her when I see the episode. It doesn't no sound anything like her. No, no. And uh, I don't know. Uh, this is uncomfortable to say this, but she's like playing a sexy-ish little girl. No, it's uh, it's fucking like, odd uh, now. A little yeah. su- seductress, maybe. It's, it's yeah. odd now. Chris with pubes <laughs> finds this odd. <laughs> well, even on the commentary, they're kind of talking around like, boy, this is a great design. I, I like this type of woman, but well, it's a weird yeah. line that the episode draws anyway of like the part. Marty's going on dates. Mm. He is 10. She is 10. It's just weird even to be like, oh, a date for my 10-year-old and yeah. his girlfriend at 10. It it all feels a little strange, but it's this is one of those episodes where you just have to expect, like, you are projecting adult relationships onto children, not pre-sexualizing children. But it's, right. it's, a, it's a tough line, but you know that they're in kind of a type of story of the evil girlfriend and that she's... But she's so great at it. Like, Meryl, yeah. Meryl, guess what? Meryl Streep's wonderful at everything. This is a great Who character. And uh, when David Merkin came to The Simpsons, he came to The Simpsons with this idea. Like, what if Bart fell in love with a woman, or a girl, rather, who was more evil than him? Because mm. David Merkin says he loves evil women. Yes. He's attracted to evil women. So he gave this idea to Jonathan Collier. And Jonathan Collier and uh, James L. Brooks basically sat in a room and broke the story down before he wrote it. And he said that was like one of the most amazing experiences in his life. A young writer mm. being uh, asked to work with James L. Brooks to sort of figure out a story that's that's amazing well and you listening to the commentary they there's some revealing mentions of their own personal relationships where like david merkin who has apparently never been married he's just like i can never find a girl evil enough for me and then and then meanwhile matt graining says well you know what you should do is find a find a nice girl and then annoy her <laughs> enough until she's mean i tried gaslighting ann coulter should, you should be fine <laughs> well and he's been well matt graining also was speaking of a divorce like, he went through a divorce during the show. Mm, that's right. But anyway, back to Meryl Streep. I think wow. Meryl Streep is just... She's one of the best actors they've ever had on the show. And she really gave herself to the performance. She is and astonishing. And the comedy, yeah. And, I, and I would only recommend Angels in America because she plays multiple roles mm-hmm. in it. And, like, just didn't... She's a male Jewish rabbi, like, Orthodox yes. rabbi in the movie. And I could not tell. Really? Wow. Yeah, and I could not tell. And this is yet... Other than that, this is, like, no idea. Yeah. No idea. Idea, watching the episode who is this what the fuck i heard an amazing story about her from just a recent thing of like i would not forgive her at her age to be like robert de niro of just mm-hmm. going like i just coast i'm robert de niro yeah. i don't need to try but this story was from diablo cody somebody poop on my head in a pg-13 yeah. comedy Stella street pacino <laughs> <laughs> but diablo cody was talking about the movie she just made with meryl streep jenny and the rockets or whatever the one where she's yes, playing the rock star uh, yeah the rock star one mm-hmm. and meryl she tells like oh we hired meryl streep and meryl's like well i need take a month off to learn to play the guitar so in all in that movie uh, she's naturally playing the guitar which no one would falter if they faked it and yes, just put it yes. in but that's, that's that's meryl streep and the yes. previous joke about meryl streep on the show was a, a parody of a calvin klein obsession cologne <laughs> it was called meryl streep's versatility yes. smell like streep for cheap <laughs> and meaning that she is very good yes the, the joke is meryl streep's great and as this episode proves yeah, yeah. And they talked about how much they love seeing her and working with her on this. And also that I think 
it was Bill Oakley mentioned it in our interview, but it's something I heard many times is that she had kids and the kids would love her being on The Simpsons, so she did it. That's how you get the big stars. So weird. I don't know anything about Meryl Streep personally. And and maybe, like, I was watching Five Came Home, great Netflix documentary. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to recognize her real voice because she's so iconic. Yeah. So many different roles. It's true. And And she's the narrator (laughs) of the whole thing. And I'm like, who is this? Ah, duh. And uh, I also know Nancy Cartwright's book, she talked about the recording that the recording mainly was just her and Meryl. It mm-hmm. wasn't the, a group thing. But normally they do solo recordings, but I think you could definitely tell mm-hmm. the extra quality of Nancy recording the Bart lines with Meryl. And that Nancy says she was starstruck and didn't want to get, didn't want to bother her for an autograph. But she says after the recording was over, Meryl asked her for an autograph because wow. she's like, my kids would not forgive me if I didn't get Bart Simpson's <laughs> That's autograph. Great. That's great. So every story is that of Meryl Streep is only positive and that she is the greatest. <laughs> There's no Mary Tyler Moore. I have no idea how. <laughs> R.I.P. So yes, this episode starts off with uh, sort of an anachronistic game of Cowboys and Indians. Or yeah. sorry, Cowboys and Native Americans. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that they're doing it in the Veterans Park in honor of some veterans. And there's also like a rather dated Dances with Wolf's gag. Right, just like, right. yeah, yeah, we get it. Talks like, too much. <laughs> and, that, and that Ralph is eating his caps, which that seems dangerous. But uh, but yes, they, they are playing a game. I ate all my caps. Throw down your weapons and kiss the prairie, cowdorks. Oh, why do we have to play this corny old game anyway? I brought my jacks. Oh, I got twosies. That's not fair, Nelson. They didn't have the Killmatic 3000 back then. Hey! Records from that era are spotty at best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nelson shows up and nerfs them all. I like yeah. how sorry Nelson shows up and nerfs them all. I like how Nelson he's a bully, but he loves getting people on technicalities. Like yes. you see, epidermis means your hair. That's true. It season six, he's a real pedant about yes. things too. I, Those are the worst kind of bullies, actually. <laughs> yeah, he does. He even does it in the movie. Yeah, that's say true. global warming's a myth. Yeah, you're right. Study is needed. I I like that. It makes him different from Jimbo. Will just punch you. Yeah. Or, those guys have no you with facts yeah and i like that i never had a nerf gun that actually hurt people but those things mm-hmm. when their thing is they're not supposed to hurt people but bart just falls over getting hit with that little with ping the, pong ball yeah and, and great sound by nancy there and then also those caps like i was afraid to have a cap gun as a kid because they made too much noise they like scared me i was I mean, like ah. it's actual gunpowder and that's mm-hmm. what that is i can't I, I can't believe it's they so still dangerous. sell them yes well Especially now, uh, you know, kid, kids are kids have been literally killed by the police for playing around with a toy gun. So I feel like cap guns are not as popular now. No. The, the most traumatic thing, one of the most traumatic things I can remember as a little kid, I had. We were born right before the mandatory orange t- orange tip on guns. Mm-hmm. We all had gray zappers, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But but like I was had a cap gun and I was firing it, and an old man was walking down the street at my friend's house. And I pointed it towards him, and he just <gasps> like <laughs> fell to the ground. Oh, and like the children I'm, are armed. I'm seven. Like, uh, yeah. and he was like, "Never, ever, ever do that." And I told my parents about it. I'm like, "Yeah, you crazy?" And now I'm like, "You're fucking crazy." You gave me like, this. This. Yeah. this guy believed a kid could have a gun. What other country does that happen in? Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we have to move. You're all crazy. That's yeah. not my fault. Well, those are, yeah, it's uh, toy guns are no fun to have in a country as scared of people and mm. guns as we are. Well, and I want to know what that old man went through. That that's the first uh, yeah. time it came to his head. The seven year old is going veteran? to kill me. Yeah, I know. Like, Maybe I got uh, I got killed by some kids in Da Nang. So uh, uh, Milhouse yes. would rather play Jax instead of that corneal game and. 
And I remember I had the same experience, uh, kind of like the reverse experience of Millhouse, actually, where I would see people play jacks on old cartoons and mm-hmm. old TV shows and movies and stuff. I didn't know how you actually played. Yeah, and we got I them tried. as like a party favor at, at, a, at a birthday party when I was a kid. And I tried. I was like, this sucks. Yeah, like, no, jacks yeah. are awful. No one bought solo jacks. You yeah. It's got to have been like, uh, like poppers or like those Christmas poppers. Yeah. Or in those uh, birthday party, like fun packs so all the other kids can You're get You're supposed kids. to bounce the ball and pick <laughs> up one jack at a time and play again, bounce the ball and pick up two before the ball can hit the ground. And then again. swallow all of them. Yes. Yeah. And then well, feed them to your cats. Well, that shows you how bad Millhouse is at it that he celebrates like twosies, which is just like, that's the second worst thing you can do at it. Like, you're. You're supposed to get twosies. And I think, too, it's a joke that Millas would want to play that I think Jax is seen as a more feminine game. When I looked mm. up rules for Jax, all the descriptors were, and then she will pick up the ball, and her yeah. will... <laughs> I think it's a non-gendered game. I think it's perhaps. a lame, lame old game. Yes, yeah. That really needs an anime. And then, Some <laughs> guy spiking the ball like 900 feet oh, in the air. Oh, man, competitive Jax anime? Yeah. Yes. I'm, yeah, uh, Chris, uh, we got to pitch this to somebody. Please. Get TMS on the phone. Crunchyroll is just down the street. <laughs> I think we got a chance there. Uh, and, well, I've said... Records from that era are spotty at best. I've said that so many times. It is such a great comeback to people like, oh, those are spotty at best. <laughs> like, When do we get to my favorite part of this? Oh, well, okay. That, then I don't have the sound for it because it's just the it's, music. It's just the music. And it's I, beautiful. It's as of this recording... R.I.P. Al Clausen. Well, he's not dead, but yeah. yeah. Well, he's not dead, but his career is. It's, it's in a shifting position. We we are recording this, um, let's say, four days before this goes live on Patreon. Mm-hmm. But uh, as as of this recording, Al Clausen just got fired from The Simpsons in his words. Mm-hmm. And then, the meanwhile, the Simpsons producers say, "No, he's transitioning to a different role. He will have a quote ongoing role in the show," which mm-hmm. to me says. They're trying to fix a bad PR thing of getting rid of him, and I think he's not doing original compositions anymore. That's why I, I definitely think, no. I, having what I do watch the recent shows. It's part of one of my problems with it. Those flourishes of music don't happen very often, and yeah. when, and at this point when they do, you should have an archive to go to. But this, ah, mm-hmm. uh, my time to shine. This is a Planet yes. of the Apes, very specific Planet of the Apes reference. Yeah. And I remember we talked about when the Burns head on the robot and the barking Smithers dog. People were like, "That's Planet of the Apes." No, it's this exact same musical theme. The music, yeah. That they, but it's more. It's slightly evocative of Jerry Goldsmith's Planet of the Apes score, but not really. That thing is just like, ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ooh. But, it, it, but right. it's a great Planet of the Apes sequence because it's it's something I don't think I got for years mm-hmm. because if you hadn't seen the movie, it's a very specific sequence running mm-hmm. through the cornfields. Yeah, in '94 yeah. I had seen it, mm-hmm. so I could recognize yeah, it. I I love how directly they do it of just like, no, the children are put in nets, they yeah. are put in chains <laughs> yeah. and collars. And Kirk Van Houten has a horse. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah beating so him down great. with cattails to the cornfield. A very, just a wonderful sequence in the opening of Planet of the Apes. And it's just amazing that Alf Clausen could just make, could you make a Simpsons-style mm-hmm. parody of the Planet of the Apes theme yeah. for this But it's, we don't have to have a Cape Fear-style argument because it's not mm-hmm. that close to mm-hmm. anything in the original. Yeah, but Trust it's just, the guy with four vinyl editions of the Planet <laughs> of the Apes soundtrack. You're uh, the authority now. Someday there'll be a video up on YouTube.com <laughs> Slash laser time, you'll learn everything you'll ever need to know about Planet of the Apes and someday. Also, as a kid, though, I did not get the Jewish joke of Shlomo, time for your violin lesson. <laughs> that just every every Gentile mm-hmm. is being called to church, but Shlomo has to go to his violin lesson. And it mm-hmm. is the old Jewish man voice as well that Hank Azaria does. Not the crazy Jewish man, I hope. But mm-hmm. I, I love hey, this episode. Hey. This episode resonated with me as a kid because I was knee deep in Catholic school. And this episode mm-hmm. is bashing Christianity left and right. I love the sort of the smash cut from Marge saying, you kids need to go to church to learn about morals 
and values, and immediately it's this horrifying account of people getting their eyes gouged out and and other people Smokes feeding from eyes. the blood or the gore. <laughs> yeah, like uh, not a that. not a real Bible quote, by the way, but mm-hmm. fucked up stuff happens in the Bible all the time. Oh yes, yeah. Well, I I love when people say they quote Leviticus to say like, well, the gays should be killed. It's like. You can't do anything in Leviticus. You can't eat a cheeseburger. Yeah, like your life is... Leviticus has a lot of time dedicated to how do you properly slice up a goat after right. killing it. Just Technically, like, we can't even go to the bathroom. Yeah, so, oh, I meant to mention, too, when they're getting caught by their parents, I appreciate the continuity from the animators. Nelson's dad is Nelson's dad from uh, the last scene in the Peppy episode. Oh, okay. okay. The, the one who's like, uh, my son will go to the, the winner is Nelson. Thanks, Dad! Pele's acting in soccer camp? Yes, that's right, that's right. And, uh... Marx is a real scold for the first few minutes of this episode. Then they, she pretty much drops it. But she's, she's anti-troll. Like, yeah, well, yeah. It's, I, I can't believe that she... It's a funny visual of her looking at the troll like, awful, awful hair. It's like, this is not the Marge of the show okay, who's this you, much do you, do you want me to tell you everything you've ever I want to know about troll dolls? Troll dolls. Yes. It's, a, it's a great camera angle first, though, with her like giant hair yeah, pulling back hair from the camera. The hair, it, is, it, it is a highly... A troll man. It's a highly trendy doll, mm-hmm. but it's distinctive in that it has had multiple... Tre- it has been white hot trendy three times since the 1950s yeah this is sort of a wow. 70s throwback when they were talking about trolls in this era of the simpsons right? yes i remember like people it, in school having troll dolls yeah 1992 i think the troll the troll craze was in full swing mm-hmm. i have a dumb commercial from Ooh, it that's super it. boring i wish my violin was an electric oh my god i remember my jungle gym when you wish on a treasure troll, who knows what might happen. I, I hate having done this much research. It was created by a Danish woodworker who couldn't afford to get his kid a toy. His last name was Dam, so he created a company called Dam Things. Wow. They still are the licensors of trolls uh, over there. But like it, it was popular in the Europe in the 50s, all over the place in the late 60s, early 70s. Became popular again in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And if you're our age, the trolls had to have... Treasure trolls are the only trolls that have a jewel in their tummy. They mm. have to have a jewel in the tummy. That so was you know the wish works. Tro- but these things were fucking everywhere. Yes. Oh, they're old ones or new ones. And there was a 2016 movie with Justin Timberlake. Yes. His DreamWorks yeah. bought the almost I, worldwide rights to the troll I doll. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. 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 I, I remember those jeweled trolls and it made them different from old trolls. Yes. Yeah. That's how you knew you got it. You had a new one on a decaying piece of plastic. And, and if I really oh. must punish animation fans, oh, they no. I was going to bring this no. up, Chris. Thank you. They did have a 1992 uh, cartoon show like, Magical Super Trolls the oh, worst yeah. theme song ever they're for boys too you know Magical Super Trolls who are these behind wonder workers some call them skip you say they're chips Yuck, they yuck, didn't yuck. even animate. They didn't make new animation for the opening. The that opening's a clip cheap. show, so you know you're in trouble. Actually, Chris, what I was thinking of, I don't know if there was a cartoon. I think there was, but there was a, there was. a video game called Stone yeah. Warriors, and they're like trolls are dying. Let's get boys in the trolls. So yeah. they're sort of like make Ninja Turtles. If you've yes. ever heard of the game Dudes with Attitude? It is a reskin uh, trolls game. Uh, I see. Uh, it, 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 this that cartoon is presented by Russ, the toy line. It like. So many people have distributed troll dolls, and they have a distinctive look. 
All I'll say about it, do yourself a favor, Google Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Trolls, because they got them too Ooh, in the mid-90s. And they, they look, they look, they should be, they should, you, you want to smother it to death before seeing it again. <laughs> but what do you do? You blow on their hair to make a wish or I whatever? I think so. You yeah. pull back their hair and you, you make a wish. That's how I remember it anyway. Or you stick your tongue in their butt. Yeah, I just thought <laughs> I it was funny that. as a kid to have, like, yeah, I have butts. a toy with a butt on yeah. it. Yeah. No, my toys don't normally have naked butts. That's funny. Yeah. I, didn't see, I, I didn't see the movie, but I bet they don't have the balls to have naked trolls. I, no. I highly doubt that. I think, too, that that was one of those like the Europeanness of it that they're just like yeah in Europe they don't care if you have a naked troll toy they just hand it to you which which I like and yeah. uh, okay but so then we get I I also like that this episode gets straight to it they're like no here is Jessica they don't waste a lot of time on other stuff and uh, like, like a, the much imp- like us yeah <laughs> Very ten minute yeah. discussion on troll dolls. I think you can see the James L Brooks influence and just how well told the story is mm-hmm. just how how great the beats are in the story no, no time need is for wasted a beat story yeah. either I love yeah. that too it is a real sitcom trope but they make it work in this too of just like Lovejoy is a character you've seen mm-hmm. for since season one but now he's finally like and I also have a child he's by the way wife. like yeah he's got a wife it would be weird if the minister didn't procreate. I'm, I'm glad they treated it this well because as a kid you know I'd kind of fantasize about Simpsons plot lines and Bart getting a girlfriend was something I had thought of mm-hmm. but it, if they hadn't done it in six seasons it needed to be special no B yeah. plots get a great like Elizabeth Taylor-esque guest star right he couldn't date Laura Powers yeah no I but I think now <laughs> I'd be hot I think now he's had eight girlfriends at this point yeah I know he had Sarah Silverman mm. and Raymere Wolfcastle's daughter which then turned into an episode where they go to Canada and <laughs> apparently when people when we called another clip show the worst episode ever somebody mentioned to me an episode I had no idea happened where Bart technically impregnates a 15 year old who what? has I have no fucking clue oh like it, this apparently really happened we'll get to it before we die uh, <laughs> but yes it's love at first sight for Bart and now my daughter Jessica who has just returned from boarding school will read the same passage I just read I noticed a few of you weren't paying attention <laughs> <sighs> Is a god. <laughs> I'm telling you, the light would work better if it pointed out to sea. Dar, shut up! <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I hate the sea and everything in it. A dumb joke saved by my favorite line of the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I also get a little bit of the uh, runner joke, sort of, where somebody points something out to a character, they just say, shut up! Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> Except they didn't end with shut up, which is great. It was a very murky thing yeah. of, like, shut up. I love that McAllister hates the sea, but also that... He's very callously murdering people. Like well, those people who crash that boat are dead. He's a restaurant manager. He's not a sea captain. <laughs> That's also he's way out of his league. And Andy has two glass eyes. So That's true. It's, uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot to deconstruct with uh, with old Captain McAllister there, which is his name. It is not Sea Captain. It is right, Captain right. McAllister. Horatio. Uh, I, I th- believe it is Horatio. I think so. Yes. Yeah. And as a kid, I didn't really get this, but now as an adult, the idea of putting yourself out there to say you. Uh, to introduce yourself to somebody you're attracted to and being immediately shut down, it, it's so real and painful, this scene. Yep. Hi, I'm Bart Simpson. I was incredibly moved by your reading. I don't think God's words have ever sounded so plausible. <laughs> Thanks, Art. Um, I have to go Arts. over here now. Uh, I just love that. Thanks, 
arts. And then just tur- like takes two little steps to turn her back to him. And just that, I like back to back too that Bart says there is a God while he's in church. So obviously he doesn't believe. And then to say he never thought it sounded so plausible. Again, being like, no, church is bullshit. Like I'm at church because my family made me come. But I, it was dumb. He could possibly buy into religion if Jessica was uh, spouting it. If a pretty face said it. But, uh, and also the, the ADR line is good, but it's, it's, I think it's because they realized it was, it'd be weird if Bart was just walking silently towards her. But my long search is finally over, <laughs> which is funny for a 10 year old to say. Yes. And actually, right after this, we get a scene of Bart and Agony in the living room talking to Lisa, mm-hmm. or maybe in the bedroom or whatever. And this, uh, really reminds me of King of the Hill. Like, Bart is a little Bobby Hillish in this episode. He's never been more wounded or more sensitive yeah. in putting himself out there. Like, I can see how Jonathan Collier could bring this sort of attitude to Bobby Hill mm-hmm. in King of the Hill. A cartoon character. That too, yeah. Yeah, and, and it does remind me of how uh, a little bit of just how Bobby works with like Con Jr. and also the the episode where Bobby, I think it was he was dating Sarah Michelle Geller, a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it. What it, are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to do t- King yeah. of the King of the Talk. King of Talk in the Hills. Talk in the Hills. Uh, we'll work on it. Uh, we'll still workshop in that, but. Uh, I think Lisa in general is great in this episode because an episode about an evil woman could easily fall into a lot of bad places of aren't women all crazy? Like, isn't everybody a crazy bitch or whatever? They could I easily fall into that. For Bart. Removing, yeah. removing the sex angle from that uh, kind of dynamic makes this less sexist. In fact, I don't even think this is a sexist oh, uh, I don't episode at all. At all. I don't. And it's also directed by Susie Dieter, who I am yeah. the only woman director at the time. I, I think she probably... Maybe she helped a little bit with that in just characterization and acting on her. Yeah, I mean, I think all Jessica wants out of Bart is the chance to make more mischief and be mm-hmm. shielded from any sort of responsibility. Yeah, she's she's and but I like that Lisa Lisa gets to be kind of a sounding board and be like, no, this is I agree, this woman is bad or this this girl is a bad person mm-hmm. and I'm a good person and uh, but so Bart thinks that. He's too bad for her, thanks to what Lisa says. And so he decides to go to go back to uh, Sunday, Sunday school. school. Yeah. So it's the return of the Sunday school teacher. Does she have a name? Miss Albright. I had to look it up. I don't know they, when she was named that. They but... said it once, and I don't know when, but it was an early episode. Well, yeah, yeah, but this is the first time we've seen her since Homer's triple bypass. Wow. The, uh, the line of, like, uh, you get to do whatever you want most in, in heaven. And I also like the continuity of the Ten Commandments are still in the, the classroom, mm-hmm. which which I feel like in a Christian, that's so Old Testament-y. I still feel like in a Christian school, it'd be a bunch of Jesus stuff, not the Ten Commandments. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Some some people demand it in their courthouse. Oh, nope. yeah. yeah, that's true. That <laughs> uh, is, I, I was wrong. And that's also where we got the opening line of uh, the prodigal son returning. Yes, I found that funny because that is like the it's one prodigal. story you tell to every kid in, yes. in Catholic school. And it's like the most used story. It's all about forgiveness. It's about forgiveness. Yeah, though, uh, well, actually, I read it up here. The prodigal son is from Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. It's, it's a story Jesus tells, but it's, it's about a, an old man with two sons. The younger son leaves and wastes all of his money and then comes back home while the elder son stays and works on the place. And when he returns home, he thinks his father is going to shame him. And instead, his father 
welcomes him back in open arms. He has and to forgive him or his God will we'll punish, punish him. him. I'm putting you on all Bible research from here on out. I'm doing none of that. <laughs> I, I didn't like reading I didn't it. have I to look that story dirty. up, Henry. I yes. knew the whole thing. Oh. Well, I could yeah. have told you. I, I do think this this is a very good interpretation of at least the Sunday schools I briefly went to mm. as a kid. Like the, the smaller class size, your own personal desk, drawing Jesus and maybe putting wheels on him. Yes, uh, he did and, not have wheels. And the sign joke that the Sunday school has established 1 AD was a cute joke. <laughs> and basically, the perfect scenario for Bart to be bad is set up where he gets a replica yes. of David's sling, but it's not a sling, it's a slingshot in this mm-hmm. case. And this just shows Bart cannot resist attacking a giant adult ass. We saw <laughs> yeah. Chalmers, his giant yeah. ass got attacked. Yep. Seymour Skinner, his giant ass got Over, attacked with a tomato. <laughs> exactly. And, and season seven's Team Homer, he will do the same thing to, or think of doing the same right. thing to corrupt Apple's ass. His school uniform prevents him from doing it. And I really like them hanging a lantern on this perfect scenario for Bart's like, I'll just busy myself in this filing cabinet. Just like, <laughs> yeah. I'll find something to do in here. <laughs> just to stay still forever. Yeah, yeah, I love this line. You know, the great thing about Sunday school is we're finally learning something we can use. Yeah, so true. <sighs> I have to turn my chair this way now. <laughs> Somehow I gotta convince her I'm a good person. All right, I have to sit here and behave no matter what. Okay, class, we have a special treat today for Pass Around. A replica of the slingshot David used to slay Goliath. While you kids are looking at that, I'll just busy myself in this file cabinet. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Must fight Satan. Make it up to him. Later. (sighs) You know, I was considering staying after school and helping teacher clean up. Do you ever think anything you don't say? Oh, oh it's such a great shutdown. Do you ever think anything you don't say? It's the story say. of every one of my courtships. But to Mark's <laughs> credit, like, just didn't give up. I, yeah. I would, you shut me down, I'm out of town. Well, <laughs> well once, he, once she sees the true Bart is when she realizes she can use him. I mean, like him, but... Mm. Uh, but he, that he's it also is such a dweeby thing to say of like helping teacher clean up he even like sort of infantilized his uh, delivery of that you know yes. like sounding like a very little kid it's really creepy like a goody goody yeah. and well and I love that he can't stand being good that long and he has to even like rub dirt on himself I'm all, I'm I'm all, all tense in my chestal region chestal area, area. <laughs> which I was trying to look for the specific commercial that would be from I couldn't really find one but it was definitely it feels like thin- a Jerry lewis sort of uh, phrasing uh, like, oh, my chestler area. Uh, okay, <laughs> see, I saw it as like those 80s and 90s commercials that mm. just has somebody sitting down like, my sinuses are so tense and mm. I, I feel all this fatigue in my chestal area. Well, you know what you need is Excedrifin or like an- uh, Anacin or the, uh, I remember the two, the, well, it's forever immortalized in Wayne's world, but I definitely remember the ads of like the, these oh, two yeah. yellow pills, just perfect. Like, yellow, different. Yeah. Different. <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Hi, all you listeners. I'm sure you're excited to be celebrating Scotchtoberfest, but I have to let you know some important information. This episode is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. That's right. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons is how we afford to do this every week because of support from listeners like you. 
And there's so many things you get if you do that beyond the satisfaction of knowing that you're supporting Bob and myself pay our rent while doing this job. No, what you get for just $5 a month are a ton of extras, including every episode of Talking Critic. There have been over 10 so far. Multiple exclusive interviews that are only on there, including our newest one with Bill Oakley, where he reveals to us a ton of information and secrets about his time on the show, as well as deleted scenes in the season wrap-ups for seasons 5, 4, 3, and 2 of Talking Simpsons, not to mention the entire first season of Talking Simpsons as well. And if you give $10 a month, you get access to our premium videos that include the video version of the Deleted Scenes commentary, as well as the unaired pilot for The Simpsons, and our first steps into archiving the original shorts of The Simpsons starting at the very beginning. Oh my gosh, that's all so much stuff. How can you resist? You can't. That's the important part. Oh shit, and you get every episode of Talking Simpsons a week early and ad-free. How awesome is that? Just sign up at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, but I'm sure you will enjoy this. miss your old glasses well the best fix for that is a new t-shirt that's right talking simpsons has its own t-shirt and you can get it for yourself where well it's at shirtsickle.com and you just find it listed in the podcast section of the website which makes wonderful high quality t-shirts it's from the same people who make pro wrestling tees if you're a connoisseur of those like me but i have my own shirt of the talking simpsons shirt it's amazing it's inspired by the logo for eye on springfield designed by our wonderful friend of the show nina matsumoto and you can get one of your own at shirt sickle like popsicle but shirt sickle or if you want to just get directly to the page you can go to tiny.cc slash talking shirt that will take you directly to the store page for just $19.99 plus tax and shipping you can get your own talking Simpsons shirt in a beautiful sky blue and it ships relatively internationally so be sure to check if it goes to you even if you're outside of the United States that's the talking Simpsons shirt at shirtsickle.com or tiny.cc slash talking shirt check it out Hey, this is Hank Azaria. You're listening to Talking Simpsons on Laser Time. I didn't know that was a thing. This week's podcast is also brought to you by The Scent of Red Fruit Loops and audibletrial.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you love podcasts, you will probably love listening to audiobooks, and you can get a free one and a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Talking Simpsons, where signing up will help support the show. What would we suggest you check out there? Well, you could listen to all the brand new episodes of Dr. Cats that are on there. So many great comedians who are currently popular, and some from the old show or if you're inspired by the joke in this week's episode you could download the sarah plain and tall audio collection read to you by glenn close come on how can you beat that and you can get that book for free if you sign up at audibletrial.com slash talking simpsons (laughs) 
You like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. More Idaho shit. A bunch of fucks in RVs sitting out and reading books. What a bunch of dorks. No. Uh, I always say I've never in my life thought about retirement. I was just like... Holy shit, that looks awesome. <laughs> that motherfucker can leave and go wherever he wants and gets to chillerize all day. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> I gotta start looking towards retirement. Oh, mine is, I'm either gonna move, move to Orlando or Anaheim and just be full-on just Disney vlogger. <laughs> I'll be a 70-year-old Disney Dave. vlogger. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in Dave and Buster's every day. You have your own secret menu and you'll get your yeah. own red car. Hey, whatever. Jessica, how's it going? Yep, it's dinner time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, okay. oh, bring me the number yeah, three. Yeah, this frozen babies <laughs> thing is just ruining everything that's important at Disney. <laughs> Um, I think I'm I'm saving Assassin's Creed for retirement. I feel like by the time <laughs> I'm old enough, there'll be like retire, forty of them. There'll be forty of them. I'm like I haven't even touched one. We can yeah. but it, I suppose she's starting now. <laughs> That's me in Game of Thrones. Yes, I'll finally get into it. Get bonus time, Laser Time's weekly full-length, uncensored, and ad-free Patreon-exclusive podcast, as well as full-length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, the first season of Talking Simpson, and more at patreoncom time Starting at just five bucks, you'll help us live, and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again. Heart comes upon Scotch-toberfest, which mm. I love this so much. Oh, this joke uh, is so good. No, that kilt was only for day-to-day wear. In battle, we'd done the full-length ball gown covered in sequins. The idea was to blind your opponent with luxury. <laughs> ah, there's no more than what God gave me, you Puritan pukes. Mm. <laughs> That'll hold me. At least till I get my hands on some kind of explosives. Congratulations, Simpson. You just fell for our sting and won yourself three months' detention. There's no such thing as Scotch-toberfest. <laughs> There's not... You used me, Skinner! You used me! Oh, just so, so great by Dan there, this screaming up. It is great. Yeah, yo! I think you if can you... see the writers falling in love with Willie. Yeah, yeah, just like Burns. And if you look at mm-hmm. Skinner uh, during that You Use Me scene, he mm-hmm. looks kind of sad. Like, oh boy, I went too far. It does feel bad. Like, that's, that's great animation there. I don't know. I wonder if the animators or the writers were just like, oh, Skinner should feel bad that Willie. I mean, they went out of their way to make the most supple ass in Simpsons history. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Groundskeeper well, Willie, does some. Uh, well, Groundskeeper he, Willie, he keeps it pretty fit and tight in general. So you would definitely think his butt would be in good condition. It's very toned. It I wonder what he's now. working with from the <laughs> other side, though. It made that woman pass out. So I wonder if it's. Uh, I wonder if it's big time. I bet I, it looks like an albino elephant over there. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, like Springfield Elementary's budget is being wasted on this team of secret service agents for Skinner that they the guy dresses up as a tree and grabs Bart and they pop out of bushes with like uh, them strapped to their heads with guns. They it's so all, great. It, it's so weird seeing all those guns pointed at Bart too. And uh, yes, there is no such thing as a Scotch-toberfest until there was. Uh, in 2001, New Orleans started a real Scotch-toberfest but it's really all about drinking scotch. It's just about I the celebration <laughs> of the alcohol of scotch. So not even a celebration of Scottish culture, mm. which you think at Willie's Scotch-toberfest, they'd be doing caber tosses, you know? Eating but, haggis. <laughs> haggis. Good for what ails you. <laughs> 
Uh, three months detention too is not a lot to give Bart for what he did. Of, yeah. like, forcing, and I also like when. I like to imagine that when Willie is screaming, you used me, he is still bottomless. Yes, like his, his penis is still <laughs> flapping in the wind. Yes, was, yeah. was three months detention what Skinner originally gave Bart in uh, The Boy Who Knew Too Much? Uh, yeah, and then he made it four yeah. months. Yeah, that's three true. months seems to be the standard Bart punishment. Yeah, it's 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 where he starts from. And uh, yeah, I, I said it over, but that was Mission Impossible music mm-hmm. there. And uh, so then Jessica saw that happen, and she doesn't exactly say it's because I'm mischievous, but this is obviously when she realizes she wants to be with Bart when she sees him be this evil. I saw the way they set you up. That was really unfair. Want to have dinner at my house tonight? Really? Uh, sure. Great. We eat at seven. There's only one thing to do at a moment like this. Strut. Great animation, uh, Susie Dieter. Yes, this is a great looking episode. So, that reference, it is a Saturday Night Fever reference because that music is the song Bee Gees Stayin' Alive played over the iconic opening scene of John Travolta strutting down the street all excited in so 70s. Talked about this off mic. I'm just, look, you're totally right about it though. Yes, yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. what people don't know is that there was a sequel to it in 1983. Directed by Sylvester Stallone. Directed by Sylvester Stallone. John Travolta is in the greatest shape of his life. He is. It, it in, is the gayest movie I've ever seen. Yes. He's so, gorgeous. It, He's in the gayest shape of his life yeah. too. Well, it's so crazy too that like Sylvester Stallone his films are not known for their homo eroticism even his workout scenes they they they're taking me, place on separate continents yes and and to me as a to me as a gay man i don't particularly feel like sexual interest in seeing the dudes work out well mm-hmm. that's not totally true in rocky three when they are hugging in the water yeah. together, that's pretty as a straight man i'm yes. all over that <laughs> but somehow when you put that training montage stuff through the lens of john travolta it gays oh. it up and, but but he's in amazing shape in this, and so in the film Staying Alive, his character goes to Broadway and mm. wants to be a professional dancer. Okay, no, <laughs> uh, and and he makes it. But he at the end of the movie and in the final dance sequence, he breaks from what they're supposed to do and does an incredible dance, and though everyone applauds him and they're like, "You did it!" And you he gets, truly are the greatest dancer. <laughs> and he gets back together with his girlfriend, and so the movie is over. And he's like. He is he is so satisfied. He just kissed his girlfriend, and there's only one thing to do at the end of the movie. You know what I want to do? What? You know what I want to do? What? Strut. <laughs> and then it's just him strutting. Good way to end, good way to yeah. end the movie. To end the movie with a callback to the iconic intro of the original. Well, and the name of the movie is "Staying Alive," which is the song, and it's also. But it's also amazing to look at just as uh, this is what Times Square looked like in 1983. I love old New York. That ending would be weird if he took the music away that he's clearly not hearing. He's just like, I'm going to strut. He walks away silently. Like, what, what's his problem? Like, wait, you, and his girlfriend doesn't follow him. No, he's like, I want to walk away alone. Yes. That's amazing. So that was the place closes in five minutes. <laughs> and, and yeah, but Staying Alive was, uh, well, actually did make a profit, but oh, yeah. it, it's famously a bad, bad movie. And so that's what they were referencing there with the mm. strut. If you, uh, you know, it's worth, it's a great bad movie to watch together oh. if you want to watch it. And I also found out half of the soundtrack is Bee Gees. Yep. 
The other half is Frank Stallone. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, boy. Yep. Wow. Dr. Disco, I believe, is one of the tracks. <laughs> He's great on Twitter, by the way. Yo. Follow Frank Stallone for all of your political updates. So, again, that is explaining this reference properly. It is not exactly Saturday Night Fever. It is a reference to a Saturday Night Fever reference. It's in the fever verse. I want to go back to the way Meryl Streep says her lines there. Like, the way Jessica says she talks like a 90s kid in a way. I mm-hmm. feel like it's an affectation streep is like, that was really unfair. Like, there's a tiny bit of valley girl in a her bit, voice. Yeah. Which, really which I really like. And But also, it's it's very forced arched way she's doing it of knowing like, that was really unfair. Like, she knows what she's saying. Like, it is a very manipulative way she's saying That's it. a great and, reading, and it, and it fools Bart. Who knows that Streep is a great actress? Mm-hmm. And I'm so. sure she invited Bart to dinner just to get a rise out of her parents because yeah. oh, she yeah. knows like he can't resist being bad yeah well and Lovejoy can't not know Reverend Lovejoy already knows Bart yes. he knows Bart is bad and uh, but then we get a a cute scene which is also the rest of the um, references clips that I'm going to have to play but it's three back to back here I can't believe my little boy is already going on his first day sunrise sunset sunrise sunset Cats in the cradle and a silver spoon. Yes, we have no bananas. Oh, that's sweet, Homer. Our son is growing up, isn't he? No, it's not that. Didn't you hear? They have no bananas. They have no bananas today. That really reminds me of the scene from Secrets to a Successful Marriage in which Homer goes through like four movie references in the in the course of a conversation. <laughs> yes. Just mixing them all up. And I think it would almost be a lame joke on uh, some shows to be like that he thinks that the song We Have No Bananas is about how people have no bananas and it makes him <laughs> sad as a fat guy. But but Dan Castellanet is acting of the crying and the tears like, have no bananas today. <laughs> Didn't you hear? <laughs> uh, but all right. So those three songs back to back, just for the set record. Uh, the first one is for Fiddler on the Roof, Sunrise, Sunset, which is the uh, takes place during a wedding. And it is the parents reflecting on, where is the little girl I cared mm. for? So it is a fitting song for Homer to think about us child growing up. But here is the here's the Sunrise, Sunset part. So that's where that one is from. Mm. Uh, then I barely even need to play it. It uh, is the classic Harry Chapin song, Cats in the Cradle, again about... I hate uh, this song. <laughs> well, let's give it a listen real quick here. And the cats in the cradle and the shoes little boy doing the What, what's your problem with this song, Bob? It's corny. <laughs> yes, it is corny. It's but, corny as hell. But if it's, you're it's a father... Yeah, it's become synonymous with a father yeah. uh, like a mm-hmm. fetishizing a son. I don't well, know. well, and also a guilt. It's about yeah. fatherhood guilt of yeah. like, no, I work too hard, and uh, but I miss you. I wish I... I just think father-son relationships are bullshit in general. Sure. You don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're off the table. <laughs> uh, I just heard this song used beautifully... <laughs> If you haven't watched the entire show, Delocated, this is a spoiler for Delocated, but... Oh, I love Delocated. On the final episode of Delocated, 
the main character is brainwashed to murder his son and <laughs> does murder his son. I haven't he seen this. He strangles his son to death on camera. Wow. And they played this song. The ma- They paid for the master version of this song to play over him murdering his son. That's probably why it only aired once, I'm guessing. Yes, like, yeah. This was expensive. I mean, it was made by the Wonder Shows, guys, so it's not surprising it got that dark. But I was like, jeez. I was like, you really... The- it's so funny, too, because he, again, strangles to death his son, who had been on the show since the first episode so it's then killing off a major character i saw a ska mitzvah yeah but then when the epi- but then he kills him and then it goes to commercial break and when they go to commercial break they just show like the ident for delocated and they put the silliest music they can on it <laughs> just like strangle silence that's a very pffr move it's beautiful and okay and then lastly we have Yes, We Have No Bananas, which here is the song from a 1923 oh, recording. God. listing all just the other things some write down any thought put it to a trombone you're a millionaire <laughs> put that in a uh, dystopian first person shooter so i <laughs> i sh- i did i don't mean to do this I, oh did you i know it from a commercial in mm. the commercial if it's very vague and fuzzy and and hey contribute talking simpsons.com put in the comments it is about a monkey who is turned down from a certain product and it ends with we have no bananas today oh. and the monkey is turned away from whatever the product was I can't remember what it was speaking yeah. of and I have uh, to imagine that's what Homer's referencing uh, not yeah. a Victrola jam we <laughs> brought up uh, Donkey Kong Country earlier oh, I remember yeah. this song title being in magazines as like a pun or something on every right. Donkey Kong uh, Country like uh, coverage I hate us yeah. well the, the plot of <laughs> yes. Donkey Kong Country and yes, most Donkey yes. Kong Country games is he loses all of his bananas he has so no bananas he has no bananas now apparently the origin of this song is a hilarious joke about immigrants. Oh, good, which is, good. Well, so uh, it was written in the early 1920s, and it is about immigrant grocers who, because Eng- English isn't their first language, they go, yes, before saying anything else. Like, if you ask them a question, they go like, yes, we have no bananas. Which So it is a comedic construction of a sentence to say yes, and then you're saying, oh, yes, we don't have this, instead of saying, no, we don't have this. So it is a hilarious joke about people who are ESL. And It's funny <laughs> that now uh, all Californians say, yeah, no. You know, you know, yeah, yeah. instead no, of you know, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We have to say no. both before yeah, we start a sentence. <laughs> and but it was written by the song was written by a Jewish immigrant about Greek immigrants. Punch down were... as hard as you can <laughs> to rise to the top. Uh, so those are all the three songs back to back explained. I hope you listeners have learned something there. So then, oh, I did, I did yeah. have something dumb. Okay, there's not a clip of it. Because I obsessed over it. It was it's barred at the table. Or do you have that clip? No, no, no. At the at the table where he makes. I heard a funny thing from a young man named. Oh, Martin. I do have that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yes. Well, well. So first off, I love that Lovejoy is immediately suspicious about Bart. It's a great role for Lovejoy to play of the angry dad. Yeah. I I like that, especially was like, what's four times three? Like uh, or <laughs> and Bart has to, and then also and you, the can way- imp- you can impress a lot on that scene with like he might know Bart's reputation, or I love. My interpretation, he knows Homer's reputation. Mm, yeah, that's true. I don't want Homer's kid in my house. Well, that they're all distrustful when he talks about, like, well, in my family, they're just like, yeah, we know your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, and, and they also don't like Bart's aspiration to become a, become a rocket sled Olympic champ. <laughs> well, I just love... 
I love Helen Lovejoy does her typical passive aggressive response. Well, I don't to think that's real. Yeah, and like I didn't know that was uh, I didn't know that was a, a sport in the Olympics. And then Bart just like slams her back and uh, and oh, I love the Bart Martin tries, thing. Okay, so yes, then we get a reference to a, a something ribald, no doubt, from Fox. Speaking of charming, watching Fox last night. I heard a rather amusing story. This character named Martin was feeling rather randy, and he was heard to remark, <laughs> Don't you ever come near my daughter again. Never have I heard such gratuitous use of the word but. <laughs> but, 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 stop. You are bad, Bart Simpson. No, I'm not. I'm really... Yes, you are. You're bad, and I like it. I'm bad to the bone, honey. Let's go find some fun. But mm-hmm. your father said... Oh, told the Rev I was going to my room to say my prayers. Smart, beautiful, and a liar. So much better than that Sarah plain and tall. <laughs> so I love Bart classing up his language to describe a Martin Lawrence routine. <laughs> yes, he yeah. was feeling rather randy. Randy. That, it was great And acting. he was heard to remark, yeah. <laughs> it was great acting on Nancy to go like... Randy, yeah, like it's. it's I great. thought we were just going to talk about Newberry Award-winning Sarah Plain and Tall yes. by oh. Patricia. Mc- <laughs> sure, yeah, no, let's no, talk no. about 1985 it. book. I feel like uh, this is one of the many books kids are forced to read that scare them away from reading. And just yeah. like you like books, right, kids? Sure. How about this story about an agrarian family in the late 19th century? Dig the, into that. My sister loved it. It <laughs> became a series of books, and I think a, a TV miniseries yeah, was going close. Saw, in it. Yeah, it's weird too that it's about it is about a mail order bride and who falls in. Well, but it, they have to do that thing in all stories about arranged marriages of just like, oh, but then they legitimately fall in love after he buys her. And it's a totally it's a totally equal partnership, which I can tell you from uh, extended family experience, that is not how mail order bride situations go. It is not an equal. There's little equality, if any, no. in those situations <laughs> that in my experience. And you're, what's Poor Sarah played it all going off crying. That is not what happens in the book. She, she is accepted by her family. I think the book really is about how children, it, you give the book to kids who need to get used to having a new parent after mm, a divorce or okay. something. Mm. Sort of like how Charlotte's Web is like, hey, your aunt died. Read yeah, this. It's about exactly. a spider who also dies. Yeah, and so it's really about the kids Spoilers. who are just like, no, this new person can't replace mom. And, and even if you think she will, she's never coming back because Sarah doesn't like us. And no. I'm no. not calling her mom. Her name is Molly. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but seeing them directly reference Martin was pretty funny because it was yes. their old time slot pal. It was. And that's like if you watch The Simpsons in this era, it was awesome to see because to me, Martin... Martin Lawrence's show, Martin is inextricably tied to The Simpsons. Uh, if to further drive home the point, of Ooh. course, Chris brought a clip in. Oh boy! And before Danny DeVito guest stars, and he's got a big surprise. I bet you're all wondering what lies under this sheet. Not really. We peeked inside while you were in the john. On an all-new Simpsons. Then how they got together is a love story. Grab my ears. But how they stay together. Step, I want you out. Step is a comedy. <laughs> Martin Lawrence stars in the series premiere of Martin. Whoa! And, yeah, so. and how he sexually harassed her off the show is not funny at all. Oh, no, yeah. damn, Gina. That I really sexually harassed But it's a, I, I think <laughs> in, in hindsight, Martin is a really good show. I don't think... Oh, yeah, yeah. One, there weren't a lot of shows starring African-Americans. And it's two, 
this was really broad. It was. I think yeah. I, I, as I grew into teenage and, and surly, I'm like, ah, this is this is hack. And then now, now it's it reruns on MTV Two and BET. I'm like, he plays this, a drag character yeah, in the show. He, he plays like sixteen other yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, well, and it's a very Eddie Murphy style thing. It's awesome, and it holds up very well. And I, to Fox's credit, taking chances on shit like that and putting it after The Simpsons, which shouldn't have the same audience, but it did. We all mm-hmm. watched Martin. I did uh, because it came yeah. on after The Simpsons, totally. and on August well, twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two, it started after The Simpsons. I had to. Usually, the channel would be changed in oh, my house, but uh, sometimes I would watch Martin, and I'd definitely see the commercials. But there maybe was a person in the house who didn't want to watch Martin. Uh-huh. In my house. Well, what I tried to look up, I'm like. Let me find the controversial moment mm-hmm. that this is referencing. And in my memories of Martin, it's not very controversial. It's not, he wasn't very ribald. However, mm-hmm. he was on Def Comedy Jam simultaneously yeah. and had a theatrical movie. He was a filthy comedian. And he was a filthy comedian. He got banned from SNL the year, like right he around. Up for the for the sitcom, though. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, he did. We're going to let him. Yeah, but there, there was nothing. I couldn't find anything objectionable, like anybody campaigning against the sitcom. Right, right. I just remember he was just always horny on the show. Yeah, and maybe yeah. that's what Bart was telling. <laughs> well, he was I, feeling rather randy. It's, it's something I can barely get. Is it the critic that has the joke? Let's see what's on the booty, Fox. Booty, 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 booty. Yeah, it's yeah. a critic. Well, and I also like, like. I watch Fox. What are you talking about? Mar- Martin did a great thing on his show too that I think a lot of most comedians do on their show, which is just I love this comedian is has hit it big and they're going to use their sitcom to elevate other comedians like Tracy Morgan was a recurring character mm-hmm. on the show of this homeless oh, scammer right. dude who, who like, sold is like hey I got a bunch of watchers you show up at the barbershop or, or just be in Martin's kitchen and be like yeah hey I got all this stuff I'm going to sell you and it was it was funny it was funny and uh, and also yeah the, the actress who played Gina was really great and it's it's very sad first mega one of my first big mega oh, yeah, she's Tisha gorgeous Campbell. and she's also in Little Shop of Horrors yeah that's true. Singer. Oh God, I love Little Shop. Uh, we're gonna do a karaoke night soon, and I have got to give myself a note of like I want to sing like three Little Shop of Horrors songs. I think oh. I killed Grow for Me last time. Uh, I will, I will give that award to myself. Grow for me. So the montage after uh, Jessica reveals her true colors to Bart, I have a feeling, and it's not just a feeling; it has to be true. <laughs> the the choice to make a Pulp Fiction style musical choice had to come much later than way what was written. Late, because the movie late. just came out three weeks ago. Yeah, it could not have been written. I, I wonder what the original choice was. Was it Bad to the Bone? Was yeah. it another song? I wonder I wonder if it was when the Dick Dale style music, which again, Big Up Stoff Clausen making that that wasn't exactly the song that's in it's Pulp a, Fiction. Yeah, it's like a like a style parody yeah, of it. Or yeah, it was definitely a style parody of the Dick Dale surf rock song that defines Pulp Fiction. But I, when that song ends, then it goes into like traditional sweeping. Sweepy. Yeah. I wonder if that was the music the entire time. So you have like two theories here. One, they made a joke about a trailer. Yeah. If they were, re- it is possible you were really into Reservoir Dogs. And we're anxiously Possible. waiting the new t- Quentin Tarantino Possible. film. Yeah. Otherwise, I would say it's just a coincidence. There was mm-hmm. not time to see Pulp Fiction. I think it was a choice made in editing. Like I, I post. It, would been, like, it would have been like a month. I bet it was a month. I bet. I bet it was the same way they do ADR. Just like, oh, that track doesn't work. Take it out. I, so. I just. Hey, well, I just think they wouldn't make a change that late. Well, they definitely. They definitely say on the commentary it is intentionally Pulp Fiction music. Yeah. Like, okay. so. and Pulp Fiction was white hot. So they're like, if we write a Pulp Fiction thing, people aren't going to see it for a year. That's and true. we didn't because that was uh, twenty-two short and, films and about Springfield. Well, yeah. We just looked this up for. Uh, I forget what. I, maybe it was this show that it did premiere at Cannes. Yes. Con yeah. a little Con. while ago. So maybe a Simpsons. 
Kevin's writer was somewhere in France. Maybe. Uh, but seeing the movie as a premiere. I, I'm with Bob. I think it was a late editing choice yeah. of just uh, pre. And if there was no Pulp Fiction, we would have heard a different song there, mm-hmm. I think. But it's it's great. And the, the pranks they play are just the general mischief, not the crimes. I yeah. think uh, Jessica is easing him into her criminal uh, beliefs. I Though whenever I see a uh, a gym with a window on it, I think of them eating ice cream in front of the fat people. <laughs> kids are still TPing stuff. What a, what a harmless thing. What a harmless prank. I never see yeah. TP up in trees anymore. Me neither, but yeah. I see, you see a ton of YouTube videos of people getting punched in the face. It's a prank, bro! Like, yeah. what? Shoot, go TP something, you horny adolescent. Yeah, a prank is now I pretended my friend was dead yes. and yes. Uh, scared everyone. Well, I want to point out that we've seen this episode, I think, in this room. We've probably all seen it like 30 times. Mm-hmm. We're forgetting the great twist. Is like Bart doesn't think he's nice enough to be Jessica's boyfriend yeah. but it turns out Jessica is worse than him that's the yeah. twist that we all sort of just internalize because we know the story the, so well the beautiful thing in the middle that all Bart needed to be was himself like his yeah. Yeah. self yeah. to attract Jessica yes uh, but then we find out that we start to see the bad side of being Jessica's boyfriend no way would a minister's daughter go out with you oh yeah I'll prove it hey Jessica yes am I supposed to know you Jessica, we just... Ooh, ooh, that's for besmirching an innocent girl's name! <laughs> Why? I'm sorry, Bart. You know my parents can't find out about us. And besides, if it's secret, it's even more exciting. Mm-hmm. I guess. Hey, you want to go skateboarding? Um, actually, I was hoping I could sit down for just a second. Come on, it'll be fun. Wow. <laughs> now I have the energy to do anything. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Just give me two minutes. Boy, like I say, really accurate uh, observation of what it's like to be punched in the stomach. I haven't gotten punched very much in my life. I don't know how, how I've avoided it. But I remember, and I think Brett Elson said this on a Laser Time or a podcast. He's like... I was a smart ass to everybody, yep. but it took someone hitting me to learn I can't just say whatever I want to people. Yeah. And that happened to me. It's like someone said something to me. I said the most smart ass thing ever. I was like, that was really clever. Punch right in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> the pain wasn't as bad as going. <gasps> I don't know Woody Vaughn most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is it's all like this, getting this is all the, the only wind comeback I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, the, I like that Nelson uses besmirch. Like, yeah. That's for besmirching on innocent girls. I name. use besmirch because of that line. I had two bullies who would just walk through the hall. Every time they'd see me walk through the hallway, they'd just punch me in the gut. It was oh, hard to say coach. Man, I, I more got like taps in the balls, which has the same reaction of just like not a hard punch in the balls, but like just a light taps, like, oh, I'm down. It sucks. I'm not an authority on my childhood, but I think I had a growth spurt and mm. that hurt me. Mm. That I became Did you a stand out more. Yeah, I became, well, I became an awkward person, ah. awkward looking person. And then also, if you're using prison logic, Hey, that's a big guy. <laughs> if I take him down, no one will uh, fuck with me. Look so. at all the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I also like the reality of. In a in a in a cartoon, getting a kiss would have been like, oh, I feel much better. And That's so he's great. like, yeah. no, Ugh. I need to. And I also just like her exasperation when he says, like, give me two more minutes. Like, <sighs> yeah. And it doesn't make you dwell on the uh, what is it, trading trading uh, physical favors for. Yeah, it's true. It's th- that's the most sexual their relationship kind of gets. The hand, hand, hand holding. It's all very yeah. innocent, though. You know, it, it is all very innocent. They didn't open but, their mouths, did they? No, but yes. And the the way it's the the undercurrent of it there is just like one 
she's using sex to make him do things he doesn't want to do. And then two, the uh, if it's secret, it's even more exciting. Mm-hmm. That that edge to it. Uh, and then I didn't get a ton of clips from it because it's mostly oh. visual. But the skateboarding sequence is some of the it's best awesome. animation ever. I think I watched it three times when I was rewatching this episode for the podcast. It's just amazing. I love how it escalates too. Yeah. It's very it's it, very well animated. It, lots of great jokes. Wonderful silhouette where I guess they can't hurt Bart as bad as they hurt Homer and Bart the Daredevil. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Watching him bounce down the uh, the asphalt on what the I was silhouette waiting is great. For, like, oh no, ball bearings. I'm like, dude, how do you animate ball yes! bearings interacting yeah. with a skateboard in this universe? And they did it. They wisely just did it. Just did a close up. Like, it's incredible. The and it's such a Merkiny style of increasing things of like, oh, I'm definitely going to slip on this oil. Oh no, I didn't. Okay, ball bearings. Oh no. Then oh, it's glue. Cool. It'll stop me. No glue. Then, then what ants. will stop me? Then a single he he makes it fine over all those things. A single sunflower, sunflower seed, seed dropped by an ant knocks him over, and then the glue comes. And I did get the clips of the glue people because I just love that's their, my, their that's my favorite line. I love it. Glue ain't going nowhere. They're immediately answering Bart's uh, query. <laughs> like the glue will save me. No, it won't. Oh, the glue will slow me down. Any glue leaking? No, that glue ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's ever gonna stop me. Oh no! There goes the glue after all! <laughs> no! <gasps> Fun, huh? <laughs> it sounds a bit like E.T. The bubbles on that glue is beautiful. The yeah. way the bubbles explode out of that glue is so great. And apparently Jessica made it down the hill on skate. She must be yeah. an accomplished skateboarder. Well, that's what I, I do like that about this. Like, it wasn't that Jessica wanted to hurt Bart while keeping herself safe. She also did it. Like, yeah. she and she survived all those yes. things, too. She skates down through the glue. Oh, we missed one of my favorite jokes. It's so subtle you can barely register it as a joke. Bart is looking over the hill saying, I think it's too steep. And Jessica says, you can't trust your perception at this altitude. So she's saying, yes, we are up very high. That was a great line. Yeah. At this altitude. It's something that irritates me about cartoons from this era where every kid is an accomplished skateboarder. Yes, Trust me, yeah. I grew up, every kid had a skateboard. Pretty much everybody sat and lied down on it because yeah. nobody knew. How, no one could skate like Bart. Yeah, it's like dangerous. after I watched The Simpsons, somebody I knew had a skateboard. I stood on it and I was like, "Oh, well, this this is not working out yeah, for me. I'm is... I'm just leaving the skateboard behind." Yeah. Why do they let me do this? This deck is cool, and I'll put it in my room to make it look like I skateboard, <laughs> and then we'll just never do it. Okay, I am. I made an executive decision, and I call this the line of the show. Totally understandable. Mm. I didn't even remember it was from this episode. That's the joke. Have you noticed any change in Bart? New glasses? No, he looks like something might be disturbing him. Probably misses his old glasses. <laughs> I guess we could get more involved in Bart's activities, but then I'd be afraid of smothering him. Yeah, and then we'd get the chair. That's not what I meant. It was Marge, admit it. <laughs> it's, 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 a very, <laughs> it's a very odd and creative low-key scene, yes. just to work the parents in. It is a great... It could, it could go any in any yeah. episode, so I didn't remember it being here. Totally. If yeah. you didn't see Bart walk in with the, the cat glued to him, you wouldn't know it was from this episode. It, True. It, it is an easy scene to remove. It feels like a kind of scene that would be deleted in syndication just to fit in another commercial. But and Bart, never, yeah. Bart never really goes to Homer and Marge in this episode yeah. for advice. And it explains why they're not involved in giving yeah. him advice either. But just that the Homer 
is so unconnected from Bart that he, one, doesn't recognize yeah. Bart, doesn't wear glasses, has never worn glasses. Well, actually, he did in the Mindy episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that he also didn't get new glasses. And that, that also, no kid would be missing their old glasses and <laughs> be worried, like, probably misses his old glasses. I think the most alarming thing is that he knows Marge wants to kill Bart, but he's kind of okay with it. Like, yeah. we're both on the same page about smothering Bart. It was yeah. Marge. Admitted. Yeah, if the glasses line didn't come before smothering, I feel like that would be the memorable line from this but scene. it is it, it, when we yeah. talk about simpsons lexicon simpsons shorthand you all of you motherfuckers if i <laughs> come over it i can't find my glass probably mrs old glasses <laughs> yes. you can't say the word glasses around most True. of my friends it's a great way if you're talking about somebody having a changing yes. mood in your life you just feel like probably, probably mrs. Mrs. Old glasses. it's like and, oh did that guy quit his job probably mrs <laughs> old glasses in yeah. this scene though but they're also eating this gray sludge i think it's yeah. also like from lisa's rival homer had leftover sugar sludge <laughs> It's it's very disgusting. It's really hurting their teeth. Though. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then we get into the part where now it is being established that Jessica is worse than Bart. Mm-hmm. And that is where the pretty poison references start mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, mostly when she's twirling the baton a little later. But in case you don't know, Pretty Poison is a campy 1968 classic starring Anthony Perkins and Tuesday Wells. Where mm. Anthony Perkins is an ex-con who just got released from a mental institution. And he is uh, on parole his parole officer is watching him and seeing if he'll get into something bad then he meets this like perky young blonde girl who's like the captain of the cheerleading squad or whatever and it turns out she is more sadistic than him and she talks him into murdering her mother and and he and becoming a killer and it's all about the campiness of seeing this cute blonde girl played by tuesday weld murder people and be super evil and the film even ends with her finding the next victim and anthony perkins going to jail and her getting away with it hmm. so it's a, it's a fun little movie I, I watched several clips for it and a great lengthy trailer for it on youtube i would look it up i couldn't find a specific like direct scene for it jessica and the tuesday weld character aren't exactly the same no. especially not in look they're not no, jessica's based on a simpsons artist daughter yeah they couldn't yeah. get the look down i forget which uh, person it is yeah just her swoop of raven hair is a great like look for her and her evil eyes uh-huh. like her shifty eyes and i also think that it's a nice touch of jessica that she she knows to make bart's hand be the one yeah. on the fire mm-hmm. alarm because if they dust for prince they're not gonna find hers and willie is attacked by the wee turtles no one yeah. will say him. I, they're too quick for him i felt like that was a callback to just the treehouse yeah. episode just yeah. before of like him I, failing to say i definitely them. conflated them and like it was <laughs> i thought the season was all about willie getting murdered for yeah. a little while willie has a lot of great bits in just this episode uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah i forgot in the same episode of scotch toberfest is him <laughs> getting the wee turtles were too quick for him <laughs> somehow he's covered in turtles biting him it's so, and, so what's up with this milk dud line <laughs> okay well let, let's hear it first i can't believe it bob I'd always thought Jessica was so sweet. She's like a milk Dudley's. Sweet on the outside, poison on the inside. You gotta give her up. No, no, wait. Hear my plan. (laughs) Put up with her for seven more years. Then we'll get married. Once the first baby comes along, she's bound to settle down and start treating me right. After all, I deserve it. (laughs) I love that description of a toxic relationship. Yeah. So, which... I think works no matter the gender of the person in it. This is not like just about, oh, what if a woman is a bad partner? But just the, the way he goes like, hey, listen to just this. Hear my plan. I will. I'll put up with this for seven more years. But when we have a kid, they'll treat me nice. And after all, I deserve it. Yeah. Just that Denial. Thing, that way of thinking of like, 
I deserve it. Like, a person who doesn't respect you now won't respect you more if you do what they want yeah. or if you be a complete doormat. They're them. projecting a few, like, adult feelings onto oh, Bart. Definitely. I feel like that idea, that awful idea is like, uh, I, this person's out of control, but I but I love them still. But it, once we have a baby, it'll all be fine. They'll settle down. Yes, yeah. I'm sure they'll be a good parent. Uh, doesn't, no, it does not work. But milk does. Yeah. Yes. So, Wait, delicious. They have the malt on the inside, right? Uh, no. no caramel. Or the caramel. What Choc- has- uh, that's, uh, that's Whoppers. Oh, those suck. Yuck. I'm pro-milk duck. Anti-Whopper. Me with Whoppers, I feel like after three Whoppers, I like them, and then on the fifth Whopper, I'm like, ugh, sick of this malt taste. It turns like uh, tastes like rotten Easter. Yes, Yes. like it turns out chocolate and chalk, not a good combination. (laughs) But Milk Duds, okay, I have to tell you guys, in the early '90s, Milk Duds were not as good as they are now. They They did improve the caramel in them, but back then they were like, well, one, my mom hated Milk Duds because they did rip out a filling of hers. Like they, they are meant to destroy your teeth. They are technically caramel first and foremost mm-hmm. their name de- being derived from dud that they're not not all of them are the same shape so they're all oh. they're all technically rejects but this meant they, they weren't explosive they couldn't <laughs> legally be described as coated in chocolate until recently because it wasn't it was oil and oh yes and, they, oh. like chocolate like, yeah but <laughs> brown oil uh, but the reaction to eating a milk dud you can't chew it. You think you can, but you can't. Just don't. So you have to Savor suck it. on it until... But that's also why it feels like poison on the inside, because the experience of you suck on the milk dud until the chocolate is gone, and then you're just left with a very, like, not sour, but a more tart caramel. Like, it is not a very sweet caramel. It won't dissolve fast enough, then. either. No, it feels it like a choking forever. hazard. Like, am I going to die if I swallow <laughs> yes. the wrong way? Milk milk duds are dangerous. I feel like, or they, especially where back then, the, the caramel was not as gooey or malleable. This caramel is much better now. You kids today have better milk duds. So there's so many better caramel candies than milk duds out there. Well, name one. Caramello. I, okay, that's Twix. Right. Rolos. Yeah, Rolo. Okay, okay. Rolo. Tony Browntown. Yeah. They're all great. <laughs> I was in driving through Nevada. Found a fucking huge sugar baby and wondered where they'd been my oh entire my life. <laughs> I'm more of a Mary Jane fan. Ugh. Or a Bitto yeah, Honey. I know. Yeah. Bitto right. Honey. All of the uh, 420, Bob. They're titanium uh, <laughs> base candies. Uh, and then you get Lisa describing her ideal bad boy. And it was interesting to see Lisa get lost in uh, lost in fantasy, which hadn't happened in a few episodes, but definitely is, was a Merkin-y thing. Is this Langdon Alger? No, I don't He's a Langdon Alger type. Yeah, well, this guy is too old to be Langdon Alger. That's Langdon true. Is a classmate of hers. This is a guy who seems like he's like thirteen or twelve. Probably doesn't enjoy puzzles. No, and he's certainly not bookish. And actually, I was going to mention it at the end of the episode, but I'll say it now. That is the kid on the bike that picks up Jessica. Yeah, it of course. Is him. I. This was the first time I ever noticed. Oh, really? It was the, it was the kid from the library. And he's a James Dean type, right? Yes, yeah. totally. But that he, it's perfect that Lisa's yes. bad crush will end up with Bart's bad girlfriend. It's it's perfect. But I like that they show that Lisa can't, uh, that even she is susceptible to falling for a bad person. Then we get one of the like the greatest fuck you jokes they ever did on the show of the calendar sequence. Yes. They waste like a minute of like <laughs> xing through the whole calendar, like and. And you're thinking, oh, three months have passed. And then he's like, if I could just make it through all these days, and just the circling of the X. I always conflate this you. with uh, Duffless, but they don't do a calendar joke in Duffless. No, in Duffless, it is just him going a whole month. The, the joke is that he he's sha- yeah. his yeah. hand is shaking on the last day. And I love the squeaky marker fully. And yes. Whenever, whenever they use a squeaky marker, it's so and, great. And I like the very subtle joke that the Itchy and Scratchy calendar is so cheap, it is the same picture every month. That's from the movie, right? Yeah. I thought yeah, so, yeah. It, it, that's right. It's when he's hacking him up 
up when he can't wait for him to go through the. I think it's thing. less a joke about the cheapness of the calendar or more of an artist saying, "I'm not drawing like 13 different images that no one will see." <laughs> I, I, I feel like it. I read it as the Itchy and Scratchy Company is too cheap. And uh, then we get a nice callback to Ned's womanly voice from Bard of Darkness. Where, oh, that is disturbing. And that, though the, the math movements are all off on Ned singing. I wonder if it was a different song at first instead mm. of just, oh, but it's beautiful. And uh, then Homer's shake and bake coupon thing in the collection plate. That's cute. They're blessed. Yes. And, <laughs> uh, and then Bart is decided to break up with Jessica, and she does not take it very well. Stealing from the collection basket is really wrong. Even I know that. Oh, fine. You just lost your cut. <laughs> I'll just take that. <gasps> Everyone turn around and look at this. <gasps> A Unitarian! <laughs> now just relax. For once, you didn't do anything wrong. Just explain yourself and everyone will understand. I took the money? Yes, we know. <laughs> he confessed! Okay. <laughs> Stop him! He's headed for the window! <laughs> I just love I just love that I took the money. Yes, we know. He confessed. <laughs> I have to okay. say I have to say uh I went to Catholic school as I said before on the show. My family didn't go to church, so I had to sit through a lot of masses and not, you know, really being into too, it. Yeah. And the the two highlights of any mass were one getting up to shake people's hands. It's like I get to stand and talk to people for a second. The second counts. one was seeing a huge basket of money being passed around like, "Oh, look at all that money." And just like feeling the temptation like what would anyone see me yeah. take the money? It's, it's, but I never did. It's a lovely notion that no matter how bad you are or how atheist you are, mm-hmm. everybody knows how bad it is to steal from the collection plate because it's not about where it's going, which probably should be taxed. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> it's it's an honor system. They, but it, but yeah. it's, it's the intent of the people. Give I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like no one would steal from a collection plate. It's one of yeah. those things you can still it's depend like, on. The ninety-year-old usher is not going to see you do that. Yeah, <laughs> and that that is. It's nice to establish the line for Bart. Like yeah. a very clear like. No, He's this is wrong. Disrespected religion the entire time. Yeah. He only wants to be a petty thug, not a criminal. Yeah, and I also do love how Streep says, "You just lost your cut." Mm-hmm. Like it's a nice little like sing song. Such a great you performance. Just lost your cut, uh, and so then the entire town hates Bart. Which this, I, I love this line too. It's great. Slow down, man. Slow down. I love that. Uh, So the first guy to yell crook was uh, Rich Moore. And one of the guys coming out to shake his fist at Bart was David Silverman. I did recognize the David Silverman, but not the Rich Moore. Rich Moore is one of the nerds. But this wasn't African American Rich Moore or white Rich Moore? It's the white version of, uh, was it Gary? No, uh, Stu? No, no, Bobby, right. It is Gary. Doug is the one who looks like me. I just steal her money from the circle. Because he'd run out of... It would have been repetitive for him to also call Bart a thief. He has to say a different yes. thing because he's the third joke. But I also did like Homer Homer barely attention, paying attention to Bart and that him not obviously telling that Bart was lying when he said he didn't know who stole it. So then we get the most direct Pretty Poison reference where she is taunting Bart while twirling her baton. It's great acting with the baton, so too. So good. We've got to talk. Listen, thanks for not turning me in. That was sweet. Well, it seems like if you really care for me, you should come forward. Oh, don't you see? It's because I care for you that I can't come forward. That doesn't make any sense. All right, then I just don't feel like it, okay? Jessica, you're really beautiful, but you are not very nice. (gasps) Duh. You know, with the way you're treating me, why should I protect you? Because if you tell, no one will believe you. 
Remember, I'm the sweet, perfect minister's daughter, and you're just yellow trash. Huh? I do like the hickish re, just to underline yeah. the yellow trash. <laughs> and uh, this is one of those weird conflicts in The Simpsons world that sometimes they refer to themselves as white. Mm-hmm. But True. for a joke, they will sometimes replace the white with yellow. And calling someone yellow trash instead of white trash is the joke there as well. Yeah. Well, he wanted his skin to look its yellowest for Laura. Yes, yeah. And, and uh, that's when Lisa decides to finally help Bart. I also did love the way Jasper, Jasper just pops up. Thief. Yeah, Just in the treehouse. How do you get up there? And I think it's interesting that Bart thinks 108 IQ is impressive. In a fifth grade reading level. Yes, which which for Bart is much smarter than him, but it's definitely not smarter than Lisa, which I think is why Lisa ultimately wins this. And I like her line of, I eat Fruit Loops for breakfast. <laughs> and I like the specificity of like red, red Fruit, Fruit Loops, Loops because yeah. uh, those are my favorite Fruit Loops. Fuck as a the kid, green ones. I would save the red Fruit Loops for last. I was mm. like, yeah, you kids today, man, you have a bad in this case because like when i first was having fruit loops i remember it is just red yellow orange yep. then green came tricks. in yeah and same with yeah tricks i didn't want that green flavor in uh, around my get sugar. it out of here yeah. as my dad described it like there used to be rules that you couldn't put that kind of dye in food and somewhere <laughs> along the line we deregulated all that and we got all the colors of the rainbow i'm sure we're all fine <laughs> yeah no we're all good yellow <laughs> five shrinks your dick <laughs> bart is strapped down like hannibal lecter in a scene reminiscent of uh, mr burns in it uh, homer goes to college correct when they're willing him into court um, no and he's no the judge? From uh, Monorail. Oh, Monorail, Monorail okay. is when he bribes the judge. But it is it is a reuse of... They've already done Science of Lambs reference, and now in late 1994, Science of Lambs is two years old. Like it's, Three years old. It's 91. Oh, right. Yeah. It's 91. So, yeah, it's... It's an old reference at this mm-hmm. point. That everyone has made. Yes, yeah. I, I kind of wish they'd come up with a better thing than Especially strapping Especially with how subtle all the references are across the board. Like, mm-hmm. you really have to be a fan of Planet of the Apes or what was the other one? Well, I mean, the really pretty persuasion it, of the or staying alive or Pulp Fiction. But yeah. this one was like, no, draw them like that. No, wait, not the staying alive reference. That was pretty on the nose. <laughs> you can't okay, miss that's that one. True. Uh, so, obviously, I didn't go enough to enough churches, but I didn't know what an offertory reading was when that's what uh, Lovejoy introduces. Lisa is doing the offertory offertory reading which is the next one after it's the one to set up there are so many readings there's like the homily that thing i don't know who cares and and i do like that lovejoy's love of his daughter makes religion take a back seat when Mm -hmm. lisa says doesn't the bible say this he's like i'm thinking somewhere in the mind uh, judge not lest ye be judged and this is great great acting from yardley here when she demands everyone to confess as well as amazing uh animation especially uh, Susie Dieter on the commentary says she's proud of it and she should be. The camera turn from Lisa sideways to then behind her back to everybody else in the crowd is such a beautiful shot. And yeah, and Lisa is trying to do a very Perry Mason stock lawyer scene where it's like, I will guilt the person into confessing, but Jessica has no guilt. She's yep. evil. There is someone among us with a guilty conscience. After much soul searching, I decided it would be wrong of me to name names. But I urge that guilty person here, under the eyes of God, to come forward to confess and save yourself from the torment of your own personal hell! I smelled some marijuana smoke in Vietnam! (laughs) I was the one that canceled Star Trek! (laughs) I left my Porsche keys inside Mrs. Glick. I am talking to the collection money thief! Only you can come forward and end this injustice! Oh, what the heck? It was Jessica Lovejoy! If you search her room, I am certain you will find the money! To the little girl's room! 
another great mob. I, I love that Lisa, in a very non-Perry Mason way, just like, yeah, forget it. It's, it's her. her. Yeah. It's her. And I'm going to name her. Dr. Hibbert is wearing a stethoscope in case any audience member is like, who is that? And why, why would he leave his car keys yeah. in a person? Did he insert? <laughs> yeah. did so I did some research on that. According to a 2013 article, up to uh, thousands of times a year, doctors leave things in patients. It, it, Usually it, like clamps and stuff. There was a horrible... junior. The clamps. Yeah. <laughs> there was a horrible story of a woman getting a sponge left in her that then grew to the size of it taking it filling up her entire stomach oh it was is some horrifying stuff well meanwhile i i love that skinner skinner's big guilt in vietnam is that he accidentally smelled marijuana smoke when everyone was doing drugs all the time yeah, and that was like the lightest drug yes and okay so who canceled star trek i did a little research Whoa. into this there was a really good io9 article which basically just reports on this book uh, there was a trilogy of book series that went the most in-depth into the history of Star Trek ever of the first series. And the explanation of who canceled Star Trek is a difficult one. One, the third season is way worse, and it had a stripped-down budget, and Gene Roddenberry wasn't as invested. All so, those dumb, like, we're on Roman planet, we're on Nazi yes, planet, we're or, on gangster planet. Or a million bottle episodes yeah. as well. And so that was one of the problems. But it was also that it was on the Friday night death slot at NBC, which is when nobody watched television. Then. And so the the ultimate person who can be blamed for it might be Jerry Lewis because they were on the Friday Glad Night Death did. Slot. Well, we did kill him. Mm -hmm. uh, he was on the Friday Night Death Slot. They wanted to move it to Monday, but they would take Laugh-In Slot. And the Laugh-In people said, no, we don't want that. So they thought, well, on Tuesday night, we have a very poorly rated show, The Jerry Lewis Show. We should replace it with Star Trek. And Jerry Lewis said, in my contractual agreement, I have to be on this night. And if you move me to Friday, you will owe me a lot of money. And NBC was like, eh, all right, fine. And they just kept airing it until they canceled it. And so if Jerry Lewis had played ball, Star Trek could have moved to Tuesday and maybe gotten better ratings and had a fourth season. So un not Grandpa. Uh, but Jerry Lewis <laughs> is the man who canceled Star Trek. Man, I didn't know this. I, I was very interesting to find that out. This was the first time I'd learned it as well. But he's, uh, he's kind of like a, once you get past the impression most people do of him, he's kind of an, one, a fascinating asshole. Oh, yeah. Jerry Lewis, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I heard these great clips of him from the Jerry Lewis show where people would try, they would say they just bought something, and he'd always have to one-up. He's like, oh, I have that, and I have the next one too. Hmm. Oh, no, my car is so much better than that. It's, it's one of my favorite favorite bits on Animaniacs was how I was introduced to the Jerry Lewis like the serious yeah and that's the serious side and Freakos yes. will, will always lapse into being like serious Jerry yeah, Lewis I love the serious Jerry voice he does yeah. like what? what is this I what what are we doing here mm -hmm. the, the, the episode we've had so much fun here today the episode that was <laughs> Apocalypse Now meets the production of The Day the Clown Cried yes. was incredible I was thinking the about Animaniacs. that the amount of cultural literacy <laughs> children had to have to find anything funny the Simpsons Animaniacs the critic yeah. like well, how do we know this stuff? Well, and our kids today expected to know any of this well, shit. Well, we're going to do a... You'll be on it. Uh, the Laser Time show about the Looney Tunes. You can kind of yeah. pick that up through weird osmosis. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it loses its reference... It's referential quality and just becomes part of that show. Yeah, yeah. I well, can see that. Well, as a kid, I liked the sound Freud Laven. Freud Laven. Uh, so Lisa's very lucky that Jessica didn't hide the money better. Like, hiding the church money under her bed was probably a mistake. My line of the show better. is what Mo says when he finds it. That's the collection money. Oh, yeah. Smells like church. <laughs> I guess it's obvious what's happened here. Bart Simpson has somehow managed to sneak his bedroom into my house. <laughs> That's also great. 
Well, come on, use your imaginations. No, Dad. I did it. It's your classic cry for attention. Well, young lady, I suppose we brought you home from boarding school a little prematurely. I was expelled, Dad. Remember the pipe bomb, the Glee Club brawl? Remember the school chapel collection plate? <laughs> bringing in the sheaves, sheaves, bringing Come on, the Dad! And we never see Jessica again. Yeah, By I the way, that. that doesn't mean she doesn't pop up in like character packs or like in the background mm-hmm. somewhere. She's never a character like ten again. seasons we've never yeah. seen. I like that we get some explanation for Jessica is just a sociopath, I think. But the lack of attention from Lovejoy and him just completely ignoring these problems, especially when she reveals... I stole from a collection plate before. The exact same thing happened. She'd done this crime before, yeah. and he still refuses to believe it. That's that's pretty out there. And then she's just like, pay attention to me. Yeah. She's just literally screaming that. But I, I like the concept of like, oh, yeah, something can smell like church. Uh, that's true, like incense Looked at It's bringing in the sheaves. Sheaves. Yes. Yeah. Not sheep. Just wanted oh, to say yeah, that. Oh, yeah, the it's sheaves. sheep, yeah. a bundle of grain. Is that, sheep. Uh, did they sing that when in uh, when Bart had yes. to be babysat? Rod and Todd. Yeah, yeah Rod and Todd singing. And also, Iron helps us play. Yes, <laughs> and I, I I believe in Ned's shooter fantasy. He's singing yeah, that as that's well. Right. He's as like he whistling it or whatever. No, he's whistling yeah. it. Yes, not singing it. Yeah, so then everybody lightly apologizes to Bart, well, though not freeing him. No, he's still <laughs> strapped up like Hannibal Lecter. He's yes. like, Don't worry about it. It's okay. And uh, then we get to the ending as Merkin puts it in the commentary and it's true. He wanted no one to to learn a lesson here and so nobody because we already shipped does. one Springfield Elementary love interest off to a boarding school uh-huh. yes, <laughs> just do true. it again it's true that's stanky mm-hmm. come to watch me suffer I just wanted to let you know that even though this was a difficult experience I really learned a lot mm. I'm a little wiser and a little less naive well I learned that I can make men do whatever I want well don't you see, Jessica? Then you really haven't learned. Um, would you finish scrubbing these steps for me? Will I? <laughs> hey, Jessica. Coming. Poor sucker. It's amazing what some guys will do for a pretty face. Not me, though. Wait till she sees the second-rate job I do on these stairs. <laughs> I had to cut it short. He lasts for like five There's seconds. There's a lot of here. cackling. Yeah. Again, uh, guys, uh, don't be a doormat. Yeah. You, you, won't, you, you won't win any points. You're just... Uh, Will I? Yeah. <laughs> that he immediately proves he learned nothing. It's like, I learned something. I didn't. And then yes. he immediately unlearns what he learned. <laughs> and then Jessica also learned nothing other than she's like, yeah, I can do what I want. Yeah. And, and, and that she's going to do it with this next guy. And I also love one last compliment to the animators. The way when Jessica says, I can make boys do whatever I want. The way she moves her finger back and forth on the brushes like that is of a of a manipulative, conniving person yeah. thinking like, It's like oh. faux innocence almost. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And that Jessica probably has murdered someone by this point, or at <laughs> yeah. least destroyed a few men. In her adult life, I think she's dissolved someone in acid. Yes. <laughs> and actually, I got this, I get Pretty Poison mixed up with the film Pretty Persuasion, mm. which was a, a mid-2000s film about uh, a girl who actually does look designed the same as Jessica Lovejoy in a pink outfit with black hair and she is manipulating everybody just to become famous and it's mm. all about fame and in the film James Woods basically plays 
race James Woods, actually. <laughs> he said so many racist things in it that you're just like, but at the time, you're like, boy, James Woods is a good actor. And I'm just like, I think that's just James Woods. But is he dating a 15-year-old? you got to make it authentic. No, I mean, you can assume he wants to fuck his daughter. I see. But, uh, <laughs> it, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, that, that was such a great ending. Like, Bart's laughter. This this is a really great episode. I love it. Clear through line. Didn't need a beast plot. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful. Yeah, again, it feels really King of the Hilly. It's a like a low-key character study with not a lot of antics. It's just mm-hmm. very focused on Bart's relationship and Bart not learning anything about relationships, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so everybody, thank you so much for listening. This has been Talking Simpsons. I've been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. Every Monday at Retronauts.com, a new classic gaming episode and occasionally an episode on Friday. If you're new to Retronauts, I, I dare you to pick a topic that you're interested in and download that corresponding episode and you should like it. And you can look for that in, in any podcast machine or device. Just look for Retronauts. We will be there. We've been there for 11 years. God damn it. And Henry can tell you more about Talking Simpsons Patreon. Yes. Uh, follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. And, uh, you know, this is supported by Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons where we do a lot of good work there and if you want to support us you get a ton of things that are honestly too long to list though hopefully at this point if you listen to us on the free feed you've heard our preview episode of all the great interviews we've been doing recently just five dollars a month will get you access to literally dozens of hours of content you won't find anywhere else it's right there and we thank everybody who supports us so again patreon.com slash talking simpsons chris yeah you can find all that on laser podcast.com yeah. including the show that sort of started it all but if you like the way we break apart reference here, as of this recording, we haven't done it yet, but we're doing that with the Looney Tunes. It's been mm-hmm. a really hard thing to research because, Jesus Christ, we do it on The Simpsons because many of you have seen these episodes without, you know, you weren't born when they came out. Yeah. None of us were born when the Looney Tunes came out. So this has been really hard for me. Uh, so we'll see how many we can get for you. It's pretty illuminating awesome. that if you, we think Simpsons invented this style of humor holy shit they did not <laughs> not at all this looney tunes were doing it in the 30s but listen to that that show and on 30 20 10 the show that looks 30 20 and 10 years ago to that week in uh, history mostly pop culture there is uh, a simpsons thing brought up and you're gonna hate it Uh-oh. oh i bet i will well thank you so much for listening folks we'll be back next week with lisa on ice see you then infotainment.